0: The team is the work. The team is the legacy. The team is the special sauce. The team is the competitive advantage in today's marketplace.
1: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm Jared Morgan, and today we've got a really special show set up for you. We have sean lovejoy who is the founder and president of courage to lead who's going to talk to us today about leadership and people skills and all sorts of that tricky stuff when it comes to leading an organization while we're talking to sean we are going to be i haven't even revealed this to sean yet uh we're going to be grilling a pork roast right so this is a pork loin stuffed with italian sausage and wrapped in bacon and i would like to uh humbly announce That Sean Lovejoy is here. Thank you, Sean, for joining us. Great
0: to be with you, man.
1: And excited to announce that Sean is officially, unbeknownst to me, Slow Smoke Business's uh, first uh, pescatarian, vegetarian, non meat eater on the show. So he does grill, though. Is that right,
0: Sean? I do grill, and it's an honor to have this title. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be, yeah, exactly. So your first non carnivore guest
1: hate it, right? I mean, you know, it's not going to, we can, we can, I can always grill this later if we need to.
0: No, you're great, man.
1: Okay. So we're going to throw this on the grill. You know, one thing about eating lots of veggies is you don't have to worry about salmonella like I do. So I'm, I'm gloving up here and I'm going to set this bad boy on the grill. We've got the pellet grill rolling. We're going to go low and slow today. So I've got it at like about 300 which is going to allow us to do this for a little while okay there we go now I hit it with a little extra barbecue rub this came from once again my favorite uh, butcher shop here locally the Cajun cleaver set us up with a nice thing I have to be truthful and not try to claim that I actually stuffed this pork loin there we go. So Sean, so excited to have you here. I met Sean a couple of years ago. I believe it was at a it was either at a leadership conference or some kind of uh, some kind of business thing. And I was so impressed with you and your story and what you were doing with Courage to Lead. So if you could just give us your story and tell us how you came to found Courage to Lead.
0: Yeah. So I was a real estate developer, um, crushing it in the marketplace in my twenties. Um, felt God call me into to the vocational ministry. Walked away from the real estate business, went to seminary, uh, became a church planter, started a church in my home with one other couple. And we broke a thousand people in year three and kind of never looked back after wow. that. But I always I always felt like a business guy trapped in a pastor's body. And um, I was really good between Sundays. I sort of endured preaching. Uh, that was not my favorite thing to do. Uh, I loved meetings. I love building teams. I love spreadsheets. I love processes, you know, but that mean we had a pretty buttoned up church. And I quickly realized a lot of pastors were equipped to lead on Sundays, but not equipped to lead between Sundays. That's interesting. So I started coaching pastors and churches and consulting with them, like how to get better between Sundays. And then my, my, My engagement in the community, my service to the community was the Rotary Club, the Chamber of Commerce. I served on the board of a hospital and a college and business people would ask my advice, which was surprising, you know, and I helped them. And over time, I just realized, hey, you know what? I'm a pretty good pastor, but like I'm really good in boardrooms and coffee shops with executives in the ministry and the marketplace. And so that led us to make the second scariest decision, I call it, in our lives, to hand off the church that had grown to be a mega church with multiple campuses, you know, to go all in on coaching. And I've now been coaching leaders in the ministry in the marketplace for 20 years. Wow. But I've been doing it full-time now for eight years. I don't
1: think, you know, I don't think successful church pastors get enough credit for the entrepreneurial elements that go into building and i mean it's an it is an absolute it's a business and it's an absolute organization where you have to find people get good people put them in the right roles manage them um and and drive towards sustainability which is tough in a church environment right because it's very different than that part of it is very different than a business do you find um That it's hard to find people that have that have both of those things, like the great sort of pastoral spirit and elements and also have those business skill sets that it takes to be successful.
0: It is thus the need to build a team. You know, you need you need all of that. You know, you need you need a a true shepherd, someone who's really like that. You know, my deficit was pragmatically like I was a pastor, but I wasn't pastoral. (laughs) Just the way I was wired, you know, I'm I'm a visionary, I'm a leader, I'm a process builder, I'm, you know, I'm a systems thinker, you know, all of that. So I needed guys that love to just have coffee with people and really love on people because it didn't come easy for me. And speaking to what you said earlier, it's interesting. You would note this, Jared, uh, you'd appreciate this. When I first got into the pastorate, you know, over 25 years ago now, um, I remember thinking, I can't believe pastors have never heard of some of this basic leadership blocking and tackling (laughs) and basically basic HR stuff. But now, with the age of the mega church, okay, which people like John Maxwell and Rick Warren ushered in, you know, 30, 40 years ago now, I feel like the average mega church pastor has had more leadership training, more of that soft skills training of how to build leadership teams at every level than your average marketplace leader. It's it's crazy how the roles have flipped.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to see how you can thread the needle. Um, There are some ones that are doing it really, really well now. Certainly Chris Hodges, I know who I know, you know, and guys that are doing a, a great job building a big organization, but staying really mission oriented. I think you have, you know, as a pastor building a church, you just have such less, I don't know, leeway to get things wrong in terms of your mission and how things are. I don't think people are as forgiving as they are of a business.
0: Yeah. The difficult thing about the ministry world is they've got hundreds, oftentimes a thousands, and a thousand or thousands of opinions, you know, watching, you know, and it's a volunteer built organization. So that, you know, that creates, you know, great complexities. You know, the other side of it is, you know, on the marketplace side, if you don't sell, you don't eat. What? <laughs> you know, you might. You, so, so there's there's a there's a there's a new drive to 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 man make sales and close deals. That the it's a that's a unique pressure that the ministry side you know doesn't feel because it's donation you know driven. Yeah. What do you th- so when you work with business leaders, what do you
1: think is the most common thing? You know, if you go in and you talk to somebody who's running a business the common the most common thing that they are struggling with or the thing where you talk to them and you and you instantly see the gap there what's what's the most common thing that people are are messing up these days
0: yeah well, I tell guys you know the two biggest lies from hell I ever believed one it'll be easier when we get to here because <laughs> it gets more complex you know Amen the, that. more zeroes more responsibility all that and two if we can just hire this person it'll solve our problems
1: oh wow yeah.
0: But then you realize every person is a potential problem, you know, and so people tensions will always be the number one tension. People tensions.
1: Yeah, I don't. So, you know, I was blessed to be in an organization, you know, start an organization and grow up for a long periods of time. And I, I I fell into that sort of fallacy, too, of thinking like, man, if we just get I used to think. In the early days, like, man, if I could just get a paycheck every two weeks, <laughs> you know, like, wow, this would be a lot easier. And then once that happened, it'd be like, well, you know, if I could just get everybody to market rate, then gosh. And then, and then if I could just, you know, if we just hire this, if I could just get that one account, or if we, and it's, it's all, we always joked, you know, we would say the great philosopher, notorious BIG, once said, mo money, mo problems, right? And it, it really is true. Like, the bigger you get, the more complex the problems that you deal with are, and the people side is really the most rewarding and most challenging at the same time. It's rewarding when you give somebody an opportunity and you set them up and then they, they take it and run with it and they're super successful. And then there's the the bad side of when like, you know, somebody doesn't come through or they're not holding up their end of the bargain or their life's just not in a position where they can they can make this happen and you got to part ways with somebody. The, the people, human element of it, is the hardest thing. Do you find when you talk to business leaders that they struggle with that, or, or or do they fall into two camps where there's the cold, calculated people that don't really care about the human side of it, and then there's the touchy feely people, or is it what, what do you think you see most of the time?
0: Yeah, they're really only two categories. I tell leaders there are only two categories of people you hire. You know, there are those that are task oriented, they're hard charging, you know, they're, they're a stallion. That you kind of have to bridle. They can also be a bull in a china shop and create a bloodbath behind them to get the job done. Right. And so you have to sort of, you know, learn how to harness them. They have to be coachable and teachable and along along the way. And there and then there's that other group of people that like love to stand around and drink coffee in the break room, but they just don't get anything done and they don't want to be held accountable. And I've I've honestly never been able to put drive in someone. No. So I, I I would rather have those people that tend to make a mess, you know, sometimes a relational mess because that's coachable. I tell leaders the most encouraging thing, you know, uh, are you originally from Alabama?
1: Yeah, uh, no, actually originally from North Florida, which is sort so, of pseudo Alabama. So I'm
0: I'm from Alabama. We're 48th on every national list. You know, thank God for right. Mississippi and thank Louisiana. You that's know. right. The gr- so so your IQ never gets higher once you're born, but your EQ. Your ability to manage your own emotions,
1: mm-hmm.
0: to, 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 to be aware of the, the signals that you're sending when you walk into a room, you know, to recognize your strengths and your weight, like all that can improve, that can grow, that can get better. And your LQ, your leadership quotient, those are skills that can be learned. So that's the most encouraging thing. Maybe if you're listening or watching today and you don't feel like you're the most brilliant person, you don't have to be the most brilliant. You just have to be the most disciplined and willing to grow. And if you are, and if you're willing to be coachable and teachable, and you're willing to have courage to lead, no pun intended, that's why I named an organization that, and coach the leaders around you that have some rough edges that, that, but, but are brilliant, you know, therein lies the sleeping synergy within any organization.
1: Yeah, that's so, gosh, that's so good because it is encouraging to hear, you know, I, that you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You don't have to be that you certainly shouldn't be the smartest person in your organization. Um but I think that's really encouraging and certainly I mean I'm living proof that you don't have to be the smartest guy to build an organization, right? Um but the ability to grow and learn, um you know, I look back on some of the ways that I reacted to challenges early in my career and it's embarrassing to think about it a little bit, right? When you sort right. of you know you fly off the handle and things like that and you let it go as you get a little older and you've gone through those things, um, you handle things with a little more grace and a little more sort of detachment. And you go, well, you've sort of seen it all and you realize that life and careers and businesses are ups and downs and waves. And, you know, there are, you know, sometimes it feels like there's an existential crisis around every corner, but oftentimes it's not. And even when that thing happens, you know, there's a path forward that you can find if you just sort of stick to your principles and stick to the, you know, you know, working with your team and working with either if you have investors or leaders or whoever it is that you need to work with, you can find a path forward. It's hard to tell people that early on because they don't know what they don't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. That's why I think you know things like courage to lead are so important. I've always been a big believer too, in you got to keep learning. And, and it's not just learning you know, your industry or your product or whatever, but also learning and, and upskilling yourself and all the soft skills that you're talking about.
0: Yeah. the tr- I, I meet so many leaders, Jared, it just blows my mind who say, well, I'm just not really a reader or I, I don't really listen to podcasts. Uh-oh. And I'm like, what? Like, so if you, I hope you talk you to just, a lot of people. You just said to me, you have no desire to get better. That's what you just said to me. Yeah. You just said to me, you've learned all that you think you need to learn. I mean, what an arrogant statement that is to yeah. make if you think about it. And if you stop growing as a leader sooner or later, your your team will stop growing. Your organization will stop growing. I mean, but if you're getting better, it's amazing how everyone and everything else gets better, if you're getting better. But we want everyone else to get better. We want everybody else to improve. We want to be frustrated at everybody else when we're not growing. Right. And oftentimes, especially organizations in the marketplace, they promote technicians, people who are really good at a segment of the business. But they don't necessarily grow in EQ and LQ to match their promotions within the organization. So they're literally promoted beyond their leadership qualification. And therein lies the tension, the frustration, the discouragement, the imploding, you know, of companies that we see out there. Everything from WeWork. To Oop, the founder of Uber getting run out of his own company, founder of Papa John got run out of his own company during COVID. I don't know if you saw that because yeah. like, un- they were great entrepreneurs. They were great pizza makers, let's just say. You know, they were great at technology, but they didn't have the EQ and the LQ to maintain a healthy culture and a healthy team. They didn't have the leadership skill to match their, their technical ability and it literally began to crumble companies. And it always will.
1: Yeah. On a side note, I don't know if you saw the uh, the headline that came out this week, but the the founder of WeWork, Adam Newman, has started another company, and somebody has written him a three hundred, I think it's three hundred fifty million dollar check to start, kind of make a WeWork. I'm not was, even surprised. He's
0: brilliant. I, he's well, yeah,
1: he's a brilliant guy. However, br-
0: he will always be the smartest guy in the room. You know, yeah, just, uh, just asking, I liken right? it to like Steve Jobs version one and Steve Jobs version two. You know, some people don't remember Steve Jobs got run out of his own company.
1: Yes, he did. Yeah.
0: He was brilliant at technology. He didn't know how to get along with people, you know, yeah. and he comes back with higher EQ and LQ. And literally, we, we know the name Apple still today because he became better at leading within a team and working well with others and managing his own he did his best work you know emotions and and all of that and and, and being a more poised leader um so it's a, it's a fantastic story yeah well. he, did, he
1: did his best work when he came back right His yeah. second stint that's when he did the iphone and i all the i stuff right you yeah. know um it's amazing so i mean when you uh when you when you start coaching leaders and uh you start talking about tough conversations. This is something I wanted to, to, to talk to you about. Cause I think you have a nice kind of way of, of looking at this type of thing. If a leader is, uh, you've got to have a tough conversation with a member of your team and they're struggling with that. Cause that is one of the hardest things to learn. Like it's easy. I don't say it's easy, but it comes a little more naturally for a lot of people to sort of gather a tribe around you and everybody lock arms and yeah, we're going to take this mountain. And it becomes harder when one of the people in that crowd is either not living up to what they said they were going to do, or the results aren't where you need them to be. And you have to have a difficult conversation. What are the things that you can tell somebody, uh, to think about and co- and so that they can make that a productive conversation and not turn into a fight?
0: Yeah. So just several things. One, I, if, 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 if those kind of conversations come easy for you, you probably need counseling for that. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. So you should before you have to have uh, I call them courageous conversations. You know, you probably should lose a little bit of sleep for a night or two before. But in all my years of coaching, Jared, I have never had a leader say to me, I had that conversation too soon. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. Never. Not one time. But if I had a nickel. (laughs) For every leader who had said yeah. to me, Sean, I waited too long to have this conversation. And it's it's way worse. You know, and it's it's like cancer, you know, and yeah. the opposite, I don't like the word confrontation. You know, I prefer courageous conversations because it it does require some courage. But the opposite of conflict is not peace, it's artificial harmony. Mm. one of the leaders I've made, to one of the commitments I made to my teams over the years, this blows people's minds that I actually led this way and coached this way. And I've coached now thousands of leaders to do the same. I will never go home at the end of the day and say something to my spouse about you. I'm not willing to say to you on my team. Mm. If you think about it, that lacks integrity. Yeah. So even though it's uncomfortable for me to approach you, and 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 have a courageous conversation with you, it's a commitment of integrity for me. That allows me to get past my own inhibitions, my fears, you know, and I, I do think the evil one, I'm a person of faith, the evil one has a picture in our minds, you know, an episode of an old Jerry Springer episode, you know, where people are throwing chairs and taking off their shirts in, a, in, a, in conflict, you know, it just never goes that badly. But we picture the world's worst happening. When in reality, If we'll meet it head on and say, hey, need to talk to you about something. We've helped teams normalize conversation. We talk about the last 10%. Most leaders say 90% of what they're thinking, but they hold back the last
1: 10%.
0: And we want to build last 10% teams where the last 10% gets on the table. And not just top down, by the way, but bottom up. I want to be approachable. I, I want to be a team member who's a leader whose team members feel like they have permission to help me see my blind spots as well. And I want to be approachable. I want to be coachable because I know sometimes I can be a bull in a China shop, yeah. you know? And so I, 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 I need that, but it's the best thing I can do for them. There's an old proverb that says wounds from an enemy, uh, 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 uh kisses from an enemy, uh, but wounds are from a friend. And so, I would say to leaders on my team, hey, welcome to our team. We're going to wound you (laughs) because we're your friend. We're going to sharpen you. We're going to make you better. Iron sharpens iron, heat and friction. I'm going to give you permission to sharpen me and I'm going to sharpen you. But here's the trick, okay? if you're defensive, if you're insecure and you're not approachable and you're not coachable, we can't be on the same team together because you're, you're not going to grow anymore. You're done growing. You've grown all you can grow on my team when you're not approachable or coachable anymore. And it's best to help find you another team um, because it's so important for growth. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's it's when
1: you find people that feel like they have all the answers. Um, they're usually earlier in their career. I would say that the most of the people that I've met and interacted with that I would consider really successful people sort of like, the higher you go up on the success ladder, the more you find most people uh, think they know less than they did when they were lower on the success ladder. It's like the True. more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And um, there's a um, there's a freedom from coming to realize that you don't have to have all the answers. There's a freedom that comes from you know realizing that I don't have to solve every problem or think of every solution. I just have to know where to find one or where to set an organization up so that we kind of ferret out the best, you know, the best option and, and move forward instead of sitting back. We talked about it, uh, one episode ago where we, the people get the Steve jobs complex. I think Steve jobs is very misunderstood to to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying. People think that he was this, you know, perfect genius that, that was, that was right. His entire career, that guy was wrong. So many times, there's there were abysmal failures. Look at Next Computer, which was sort of between stints at Apple, you know, that was really only got traction because of his name. He built some incredible stuff, but that ended up pivoting into a whole bunch of other things. Um, you know, later in his career, when he started to build guys up around him, Johnny Ive and all these people, Tim Cook, guys that are now running Apple now that he's gone, um, that's when they started to become things that were really changing the world. They're putting out products that are changing the world. So true. And it wasn't until he um, was able to find people and empower them. And if you read Walter Isaacson's biography about him, there were just lots of chapters of him, you know, belittling people and you know, certainly a lot more earlier in his career. And I kind of did that the whole time. Uh, he was he was a prickly guy, but the as he got older, he got it was easier for him to coach people or give them room to be successful. Uh, and you can find interviews where you can see his sort of evolution on that.
0: Yeah. And the high, you know, the higher IQ that you do have, like you're, you're four or five, seven steps ahead of everybody in the room. But if you're not careful, it'll make you this negative, frustrated, cynical, pessimistic, everything's wrong with everyone and everything, you know, all the time. and I say in my book, Measuring Success, that it was year three of being a pastor. Our church had gone from a four to a thousand people in three years. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm lying in bed one night and I ask my wife, hey, how do you think things are going? And I figured I was fishing for a compliment. (laughs) And she said, I I don't like what this is turning you into. She said, you have become this negative, cynical perfectionist that... Everything's wrong with everyone and everything all the time. No one's good enough, you know, and no one can meet your expectations. And you used to be the life of the party. And I realized like what a fast growing organization had done to me or what I had allowed it to do to me, you know. And so I'm a hard charge Enneagram 8, high D Pioneer, entrepreneur, and if I'm not careful, I'll be frustrated and 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 angry most days. And I, I tell guys, joy is a choice; it's not a circumstance, mm-hmm. you know. And if you're mm-hmm. buying into that mirage that out there, someday when you get to here and you have X and these amount of zeros, that you're going to be happy, I'm telling you, it's a mirage because I've been there. I've been there in the marketplace. I've been there in the in the ministry. It's very empty. So you got to you got to learn to like enjoy the journey and love the team you have now and steward them well, develop them well, lead them well, Um, because I think there's like a spiritual principle attached to that. I do. If you're faithful, what you have now, you know, but if you're wearing people out now and belittling people now and crushing people now, like, why would God send you more people? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I believe.
1: I, I I agree. I'm gonna check the grill while we're while we're chatting now. Uh, you touched on something that I that I really wanted to get on, which was um, faith in the workplace. Oh, look at it, low and slow, baby. She's coming along nicely. Okay.
0: So you don't oh, flip can... it at all, or do you flip it at a certain? Point?
1: I'll probably I probably won't flip that. When something's wrapped in bacon, it's probably not worth the hassle because things are gonna flop off. You either have to you know make it yeah. a pin cushion with toothpicks, or or you've yeah. got to kind of you know. Deal with uh, just just kind of leave it there. When you're slow smoking something like that, though, it'll kind of cook pretty evenly because the heat's sort of circulating through yep. there, and you're not yep. like blasting it with heat underneath it. Um,
0: I'm a anyway, quick that's... griller. I'm always a quick griller. I don't I don't do well with the green egg and the long process stuff. I don't I'm not, I, not I'm just not wired that way.
1: I you know I the green the so the the ceramic grills I love them. Um, I, I'm I had one for a long time I'm gonna get another one. They just don't work for. You know, Tuesday night, I want to throw something on for, for the wife and kids. You know, like, hey, let's have 45 minutes of pomp and circumstance. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Which is why I like the pellet grills. You know, pellet grill has actually replaced a, grass, a gas grill for me because gas grills were the things that you, like, you know, fire up and throw some chicken wings on really quick and eat on a Wednesday. And you can do the same thing with a pellet grill, but you get a much nicer kind of smoky flavor to it you'd think i'd be sponsored by these guys at this point but i'm not so. <laughs> you
0: should go for that I, I really i'm going to i'm
1: trying to get this this thing going so t- let's talk about faith in the workplace because i think that's a you are a uniquely uh well positioned person to talk about that um i know that you know the less i so as my organization grew and the more people you know i had investors i had other people coming in the less comfortable I had being as open with that as I probably was in the earlier days. Um, What do you tell people about how their faith should work and fold into their professional life?
0: Well, I've never put a fish sticker on my business card and I've never had a Christian bumper sticker and I'm not a big fan. And if you have to lead with that, you know, I have found oftentimes those are the people that'll mess you over the fastest. If they have to lead with that, that's almost like they're, cover, they're covering over, uh, you know, uh, yeah. some character flaws. And so, so I've never had to lead with my faith in any room. You know, when I was a pastor and very involved in the civic community, you know, I was very aware that, oh, my God, you know, here's the pastor walking up in a circle, you know, and I went to the business after hours event where the alcohol was going. Of course, the pastor shows up and most in most circles I'll oh, put, put the booze <laughs> up. You know, you know tucking so like, it away. Yeah. I had to work double hard to like just no, I'm just Sean. I'm just your friend. I'm here to serve the community. I'm here to be your friend. And I don't, I don't care how you what you believe or how you behave. I'm your friend. I think it's really, really, really important. And one of the biggest flaws that I think people of faith make is trying to get people to believe like you and behave like you before you can be in relationship with them. Hmm. When in reality, we were taught in the New Testament that we're to be salt and light. (laughs) Salt preserves things it adds flavor to the world. Light lives in darkness. I, I would have people walk up to me in the in the lobby of our auditorium, Jared, and they'd say, Hey, pray for me that God will surround me with Christian friends. I'm like, I'm not gonna pray that for you. That's that's <laughs> what that's what church is for. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pray yeah. God surrounds you with pagans. Okay. Right. Because that's where your greatest impact is going to be. No, the church is the huddle. The the marketplace is where you go. And so I, I kind of took a page out of John Maxwell's, you know, book. Here are eight reasons why I've been successful. You know, I'm going to give you the first seven. You'll have to ask me afterwards about the eighth one. And it's really oh, foundational yeah. to who I am. That, that's my faith. It informs me. So I want to live my life in such a way, you know, that people ask me for the reason for the hope that I have and the joy that I have and the faith that I have. You know, I went in this week and, gave a talk to a bill, a billion dollar company in annual revenue that we're consulting with and my, my experience as an observation has been they're not offended at all that I'm a pe- person of my faith and that I'm t- that I talk about my faith as long as I'm not trying to get them without the without a relationship to try to believe and behave like me at the outset you know unless I'm trying to get them beat them over the head with it you know, without the privilege of a relationship. So I think in the marketplace as a person of faith, you've got to earn the permission to be more vocal with your faith in those relationships. I mean, the opposite, true true is what you said, is like we we get too timid, we get too afraid. You know, we're told don't talk about politics or religion. Well, they are. They are every single people that aren't of faith are talking about religion and politics every day. Either we're going to, exempt ourselves from the whole conversation and an opportunity to have influence or enter into it and be courteous and honoring and professional, but talk about our faith and talk about politics, talk about religion in an open dialogue with people. Um, in today's world, if, if, if you disagree with somebody, you're supposed to hate them. And that's so unfortunate. Yeah. It, 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 as people of faith and people not of faith.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, it's. We could go on for that for an hour. I mean, but yeah, we really are in a spot in the world where, you know, respectful disagreement is not a thing that you know people believe in anymore. It's got to be you know all or nothing. You've got you either got to completely believe in somebody or or completely write them off. And I think. That's a dangerous place to be on both sides of that coin. I've I've, I've talked about that for a long time. You know, one of the things I believe in heroes is that you should never should be really careful making a human being your hero and thinking if you if you buy into everything that somebody says, there is a problem because there should not be a single person walking this earth that gets everything right. um, That, you know, you agree with everything they did, their experiences and their beliefs are going to be different than yours if you find somebody that's just blindly following a person oftentimes it's a person that they don't know that's a problem and you should you should think for yourself and it's okay to think for yourself um you know i know when i'm saying that people are probably thinking about you know politics and political leaders but i'm actually talking about you know any kind of celebrity i'm talking about people in the workplace i know i found myself uh early in my career when i would have some mentors and and you would find yourself you know sort of feeling like you had to agree with everything that person said. And there was a lot of growth personally for me in my career when I realized that it was okay if I disagreed or it was okay if I watched a person that I had considered a mentor do something and I go, I don't agree with that. Or I wouldn't I wouldn't do it that way. And there's a respectful way to sort of um, address that. Uh, not all mentors can handle that for sure. Um, but I think the the faster you realize that you can't put all of your faith in a human being, right? The the quicker you can sort of you know move to principles more than than you know individuals.
0: It's very true. You know, uh, there's an old saying in the South. You know, you eat the fish and spit out the bones. Uh, I I can learn something from anyone, you know. But so often we're critical of people who don't think just like us, and there's there is such a thing as groupthink. <laughs> Yeah, I'm at, you know, we we have twenty coaches now at Courage to Lead, and we we uh, purposely pair a coach with a leader that has a little bit different worldview, and is running a different lane. Not the same. Not the same. Because they're already subject to groupthink. You know, we want someone that's that complements you, is different from you, and will challenge your blind spots, help you to see the world differently. That's what that's what will enable your breakthrough.
1: So you just kind of buried the lead there a little bit, 20, you have 20 coaches now
0: at Courage to Lead?
1: That's incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. From Orange County, California to Rochester, New York. Yeah. And everywhere in between. Yeah. So if
1: people want to find Courage to Lead or they're, I mean, I I can't imagine they didn't, you know, they haven't switched on to some of the things you're saying here and they want to interact with you. You've got books. Tell us a little bit about where they can find you in your organization.
0: CourageToLead.com is um, so where our stratosphere for marketplace leaders. We still have a ministry division called CourageousPastors.com. Uh, we have two podcasts, the Courage to Lead podcast, the Courageous Pastors podcast. And I just released my fourth book, Building a Killer Team Without Killing Yourself or Your Team. So wow, that's KillerteamBook.net. So we're giving it away. I, I self-published it, this one so we could give it away for my cost of printing it, plus the shipping. Wow. Yeah. And why are you doing that? I think I know why. Because my end game is not to be a famous author. You know, I know if people, you know, get connected to our content, you know, a certain percentage of them are going to say, Hey, we, we need more than a book. We need a coach. And I think every organization needs a coach. You know, I don't know of an organization who broke through, Yours never have either without some kind of outside influence. You've always been a learner. I know that about you, you know? And so I think every team needs that. So we know we'll win in the end by just delivering a lot of value. Well, that's the sneaky,
1: uh, unspoken secret, um, about this podcast is this is my sneaky way of just learning from a bunch of people and getting a chance to talk to you for a half hour and people like you. So, yeah, I I think, you know, I'm, whether you're not, you go to college and keep going to college. That's, that's, you know, that's one way to learn, but I think you, you can never stop trying to better yourself, learning, evolving, um, because there's no way for you to know everything. And so once you sort of realize there's no way to know everything, then yeah, you got, you, you're required to learn to sort of live a healthy life and, and a fulfilled life and certainly build a healthy organization. You know,
0: I, I tell my kids, Jared, that, um, it's a quote from Zig Ziglar, uh, formal education will make you a living self-education will make you a fortune
1: yeah that that's i love some zig ziglar yeah that that's a great one i mean i yeah i think if i look at um you know what i learned in college i think it opened a few doors for me um but i certainly what got me you know to where i'm at now and and where i want to go is is not any of that it's the it's the you know, the, the humble desire to sort of look at what other people have done and learn from it and realize that there's growth to be had as long as you, uh, realize you don't have all the answers. Right. And this is, this podcast has been a lot of fun because it's been, it's been a way for me to kind of get out of my comfort zone a little bit and, and have some fun and talk about things at a broader level, but it's growth. Right. And I, I feel like you know, when you feel stagnant as a person, you got to push yourself into things to grow more. And, um, you know, so that's what people that are watching this podcast, like that's, you know, that's what's going on with me and you're getting to watch it here. But lucky for me, I get to connect with people like Sean. So before I let you go, let's do one more check on the grill, by the way. Let's see, I turn the heat up a little bit. So let's see if it does any better. I would be
0: so nervous if I were you, like walking off from that and leaving it. Again, because I, I cook things at such a high temperature, you can't leave it for a minute. (laughs) You know, so when you,
1: that's true, when you, um, when you're, you know, if you, if you're cooking something slow enough, um, the idiot's guide to to slow smoke barbecue, which is what I'm writing with my own life, right, is if you turn it really low and then you walk away, it's better to do that and come back and it's not cooking fast enough than to go the other direction, which I've done many times you go up too high, you walk off, you go pour yourself an iced tea, you come back and, you know, everybody's eating (laughs) burned. You know, my kids are like, ah, dad, you know, I'm like, I'm sorry. You know? Uh, So I would much rather do it slow and then you can kind of crank it up while you're sitting there watching with it. Um, But temperature probes and things like that are are the big friend for me. I'm always, I was always really afraid of, you know, salmonella or not cooking things enough when you're doing pork or chicken or whatever. And so once I kind of got, I got used to using temperature probes. It made things a lot easier, but this isn't a grilling podcast. This is a business podcast. I always say that because people start, people start chatting me, you know, like, Hey, what are you doing? It's you great, know? Though. I it's know great. I, how yeah. dare I did. I did. I did some sausage uh, a couple of episodes ago and it was like a coil sausage. I had a couple of people email me like, why didn't you put a skewer through that thing, man? I mean, I'm like, at no point did I say this was a culinary show, right? This is just a dude <laughs> in his backyard. Um, so Last thing I want to ask you, I think this would be this would be really great. I try to ask this question to most of my guests. If you were talking to somebody who told you, Hey, you know what, I feel I feel the calling of, of entrepreneurship and I want to start a business. And you know, what what advice could you give me? What would you say to a person that's just starting out? They want to start and build a business and they don't have a clue what they're doing.
0: Um, don't be an entrepreneur. <laughs> Be, okay. a lead, be a leader. Okay, all right. I didn't know where that be was going. I, was, I thought you were talking us out of it. it. It it circles back to what we said earlier. Your ability will not come through the product or the strategy or the technology. Your breakthrough will come through your ability to build a team, a, team, a killer team. If you can't build a team, you're not going to have a breakthrough. I don't care if you're a world-class chef. I don't care if you're a world-class a technician, or or or, or um, IT person, whatever, whatever, our salesman, whatever, you're gonna have to build a team. So don't don't think in terms of like what do I want to start. Think in terms of who do I want to start it with. And therein lies the ability for breakthrough. If you'll build a killer foundational team, you know you'll break through to the next level regardless of product or strategy or technology the team is the work the team is the legacy the team is the special sauce the team is the competitive advantage in today's marketplace
1: i couldn't agree more that's i it is it is a, i hadn't thought about it that way in a while but man like you know for my own journey it was the team in the best moments that we ever had the most successful it was because we had the right team all facing in the right direction everybody motivated everybody believing in each other and trusting each other and yeah that's that's incredible advice so sean uh thank you so much my brother for being here i i loved having you so everybody can check him out courage to lead.com uh we have is it kill it's Killerteambook.com, right? .net, .net. .net. killer right dot net dot net killerteambook.net, killerteambook.net. killerteambook.net. CourageToLead.com uh, and, and go find our friend Sean and, and all his friends that are doing great stuff. Thank you so much for being here, Sean. Honored, man. Talk to you soon. We'll check the, the pork one time. Thanks, everybody. I think we're going to get this thing. Yeah, it's going to go for a little bit while longer.